0: next on contemplate
1: and here's the thing i've looked i've read it i can't find any passage in scripture that talks about the american dream it's not there it's not a christian dream it's not even a christian concept the american dream is not what you're after what you're after is becoming like christ
0: That was Pastor David Robinson from Acts Church in Vancouver, Washington, and this is Contemplate. We're learning about unity in the church today, and we're going to find that it's a lot more than just everyone getting along. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35, and here's Pastor David.
1: Now, if you want to advocate, I'm just going to give you a few little tips here. If you want to advocate for what's right and what's wrong, as to the government, as to the things that the government says are right and wrong, let me just share with you something. Everything that the government is over or that it controls, generally speaking, is not just available in Scripture. It's also available in nature. It's available in both places, okay? If we go to Romans chapter 2, we look at verse 14 and 15, uh, Paul writes this. He says, for when, the Gentile, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Let me tell you what that means. Here's what he's saying. The Jews were the people of the book, okay? They were the people who had Scripture. The Gentiles were everybody else. They didn't have Scripture. So we have two things. We have what we call special revelation. And all that means is this. This is special revelation. This is the word of God. Then we have general revelation. General revelation is just nature. Everything that we can learn, everything that we can learn through science, everything that we can learn through experience, all of that is what's called general revelation. And what Paul is saying is, listen, even those who don't have scripture know what's right and wrong. Have you ever wondered why every atheist or agnostic or whatever isn't running around killing everybody? Because they know what's right and wrong too, right? Which they will point out to you if you ask them, as well they should. Okay, Those, Those people who think, well, unless you're a Christian, you can't possibly know what's right and wrong. That's nonsense. It's nonsense, okay? What's right and wrong is known because it's written on your heart. God said very clearly, it's written on your heart, Your conscience bears witness to it. You can see what's earlier in chapter one of Romans, he talks all about how you can see everything that there is to be known about God and and who he is can actually be seen through nature. It's all there. It's all there for us. So if you're going to enter into political discussions, I would suggest that before you pull this thing out and saying the Bible says it, so you have to do it, to somebody who doesn't believe the Bible is true, you might want to see whether God has also spoken through general revelation something that they do agree with. All right, I'm getting, I'm I'm preaching now. All right, here's the thing. Here's my point. All right, here's my point. We don't want to get into a situation where we start taking passages that relate to the church in Scripture and expanding them to some sort of political thing, some sort of thing in the government where we try to say this is the way that you ought to run the state, okay? That's not... It's not reasonable. It's not what God intended. As I said, if Jesus had wanted a state, he could have made one. Very easily. He had all the power. He could still make one. And he will make one. If you read to the end of the book, you find out how it goes down. Now, you may not want to be around when that happens because it's going to be bad for some people. But he hasn't made one now, and that's not his intention. So as we go through what is a very complicated and difficult political season, I think, if you have been someone who has normally um, connected America with God or Christianity, um, you're going to be very disappointed moving forward. And really, you should have been very disappointed forever. It's never been that. But I think some, somehow we've, we've, I know at least I have, in the past sort of bought into this idea right? This Christian nation idea. Look, there were many Christians who were involved in founding this nation. The nation is is built unquestionably on Christian principles. Here's the thing. Those Christian principles are just moral principles, right? God said it. God made those principles because they flowed through who he was. Those are just principles discoverable by everybody. That's why Confucius said the same thing that Marcus Aurelius said, said the same thing that Jesus said, because these are things that have always been available to us. That's why, as Paul says, we have no excuse when we do what's wrong. If we didn't all know what was true and what was good, then we would have an excuse when we didn't do it. we say, you never told us, but we all know. All right, let's keep going. All right, here we go. Got me all off on politics. All right, here we go. <laughs> it's all your fault. As we think about this, and we think about giving away personal possessions, right? These people were selling their stuff, you know, hitting up eBay, and when they got their stuff, they're bringing all this money to the apostles. As we think about that, um, and and I've told you that as a general rule, selling all your stuff is not what, what you're asked to do, unless God specifically asks you to do it. You are definitely asked to take care of your brothers and sisters. Part of becoming one, part of knowing each other is knowing what's going on in each other's lives, and when somebody needs something, you have the ability to help, you should do so. You should do so. But there's another thing that we have to give up if we want oneness. Our own personal pride. We tend to um, focus on and we tend to try to build up our own accomplishments and our own titles. People like to have those letters behind their name, or they like to win this award or that award. And, and, and by the way, nothing wrong with any of that. Nothing wrong with, with becoming educated, nothing wrong with letters behind your name, nothing wrong with winning awards, and nothing wrong with wanting to do so. When it becomes wrong is when we find our value in it. Because the only way to find your value in an award or in a distinction is the fact that it distinguishes you from somebody else that it puts you here and somebody else there. That's, that's what that can become. If you become all about your accomplishments, your titles, your awards, and you use it as a way to find your own value, and there's a couple problems with it. One is you have to be using it to divide yourself from those who didn't win the award, didn't get the accomplishment or whatever, and that's what makes you feel better. And there's no winning that game. Somebody's always gonna have done more. Someone's always gonna have more awards. Right, And so you're always going to feel bad about yourself because you never get to the top in that game. No one gets to the top. right? So if you're doing that, if you're building yourself up on that instead of on God, you've got an issue. And in order to become one with other people, you have to give that up. You have to give that up. We cannot find our value that way. Look, that's why the Jerry Springer Show existed for so long. Because we watch it and we say, at least I'm not like that. Right? <laughs> A couple of you are probably on there. It's no big deal. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. But I know who you are, just so you know. You thought nobody saw that one, but I saw that episode. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But we watch it so that we can look at it and be like, wow, well, look at these people. At least I'm not those people. I may have problems, but I'm not those people. And then on the other side, we go on Facebook and everybody wants to put on their very best thing that's ever happened in their life and act like it was just another thing that happened today, right? Kids are like all dressed up in tuxedos and everything. They're like, go into the store right? And you're just like, look at these families. My kids are running around, throwing stuff and whatever. And I get on Facebook and everybody's life is perfect, right? So, you, so both sides can hurt you. Just don't. Just get off of Facebook if it does that to you. These people are lying, okay? They are so full of it. Their kids are just as rotten as your kids, okay? They're, Kids are, 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 are kids, okay? So no one's life is better. They just put the pictures of the part that's good on there. And vice versa. Even the Jerry Springer people probably are normal sometimes. I think most of those people were actors anyway. So here's the thing. We can't do that. We, can't use, we cannot be comparing ourselves to other people and finding our value there. Our value has to come 100% from God, from who he says you are. And guess what? He says that none of you are any better than any of the rest of you okay and especially none of you are better than me no none of you are better than any of the rest of you he has not made you to be better than the person sitting to your left or to your right he's made each he doesn't do that that's not how he rolls he knit you together in your mother's womb okay that means he made you to be who you are that's not a reference to the fact that we don't understand how babies are made and Christians are stupid. We understand that the way babies are made. But what God is saying in that moment, he knit you together in your mother's womb, is, hey, I made you special, set apart for a particular thing. And if you start taking your gifts or your perceived lack of gifts and measuring them up to other people, you're making a mistake. And you're questioning God. You're saying that he didn't do a good job. But he did do a good job. Every one of you has something very particular and very special to offer. He loves every one of you. If you have children, you'll know that they're very different. Each one of them has their own thing, right? I've got a daughter that's one very particular way and a son that is a very different way, okay? I love them each. There's no comparing the love that I have for them. The love is unlimited for both of them, right? Relatively unlimited. Sometimes they do some stuff, but... (laughs) It's unlimited for both of them, right? And I do not perceive, oh, well, Corey's better at this and Ethan's better at that. I don't do that. Each one of them has their own set of gifts. Now, that's the way God sees you. Each one of you has your own set of gifts. So since he's not doing it and he's pretty smart, you shouldn't do it either. Instead, if you want to be one, if you want to be unified, as the church is called to be unified, all that stuff goes away and we honor everybody more than ourselves. We honor everybody more than ourselves. We lift each other up. And you might think to yourself, well, if we're doing this, if we're, if we're, we're giving away money to each other and we're, and we're giving up all these things that I've held so important to myself, all these accomplishments, so I can't walk around with my head a little higher than everybody else and I'm doing all this stuff, what happens when someone takes advantage of me? Is somebody going to take advantage of me? Yes. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's the nature. That's why you're afraid of it. It's the nature of, of the kind of oneness and the kind of unity we're talking about that as you give up things, someone's going to be out there that's going to take advantage of you. So, here's what you do. Be wise. Be wise, try to avoid being taken advantage of, not because you feel bad when you're taken advantage of and your pride is hurt because you didn't see it coming. That's just pride. You don't allow yourself to be taken advantage of because it's bad for the person who's taking advantage of you. It hurts them. It enables them to do things that are wrong. So really the reason that you're looking to not be taken advantage of is to help the person, the advantage taker, right? So you gotta be careful. You don't just go sell all your stuff and give it to some guy who says he needs it and he's laughing all the way to the bank. You gotta know what you're doing. You gotta be careful. But as we think about the kind of oneness, the intimacy and the closeness that God is calling us to, we realize very quickly that we aren't going to be able to do that and go after the American dream, right? The American dream is we get all we can for us, right? Climb higher, climb higher, get more, get more. That isn't going to work with what I'm talking about right now. And here's the thing. I've looked, I've read it. I can't find any passage in scripture that talks about the American dream. It's not there. It's not a Christian dream. It's not even a Christian concept. The American dream is not what you're after. What you're after is becoming like Christ. And he was not looking to elevate himself. He was looking to serve. And your call is to serve the people sitting around you, to serve each other. You've got to consider that as you think about Christ's example. There is an example in Scripture of someone who does say, Get what you can for yourself. Get what you can for yourself. Elevate yourself. That's Satan's example, right? From the very beginning. Did God really say, did he really say that you can't eat from any of these trees? Well, he said we can't eat from that one, you know, because we'll die. So no, no, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God. Elevate yourself. Elevate yourself. He wanted to be God. So constantly what we see, even as he tempts Jesus, hey, I'll give you all this stuff. I'll elevate you. I'll put you in control. That's always going to be the siren call of Satan. But Jesus' example is very clear. We serve. We don't look to be elevated. We look to elevate others. We look to bring others up. We look to be close. The kind of intimacy that Jesus had with his disciples, he loved them. Look at the way he prays about them. And even those who will come to know him because of them, which is you, He loves. He loves. And we can't both love somebody and want to raise ourselves above him. Okay. Let's just hit kind of this last little piece here in the passage. It says that as they went and sold their money and stuff, it says they laid the money at the apostles' feet. This can be a difficult thing for some people too because what it's referencing, what it's referring to is the authority that the apostles have. And a lot of us don't like authority we don't like being under authority. We like to be in charge. That's a very uh, common human emotion. Right? We don't want anybody telling us what to do. But here we see clearly in the early church that the apostles had authority. And the people came and they gave them money and they put it at their feet. And the apostles were in control of that money and did whatever they felt called to do with that money. And this is, this is hard. For us, I think, I've heard in my life in church a lot, people say things like, I don't give because I don't trust the leadership, that they'll basically be good stewards of the money, or I give to some other thing, or I do whatever because I just don't trust it. There's a couple issues with that. First of all, as we look at the apostles themselves, the teaching and the character came before the laying the money at the feet. First, people saw that what the apostles were teaching was true and good, and they saw that the way the apostles were living was true and good. Then they gave money. So, of course, you should make sure that the leadership that you're under is teaching what's true and good and living true and good, right? Once you've done that, though, to make that same claim about not trusting the leadership, and I understand some people are, you know, when it comes to money, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. And they really want to know, okay, I, no, I'll, okay I'll give some money, but i got to know everything. How many staples did you buy this month, right? And, and how many pieces of paper? And are we printing that in color, really? And, you know, that whole thing, right, for people. Because they feel like they have the stewardship There, they need to exercise the stewardship, right? But it's not for them to have to worry about. Here's the thing. It's very strange to me that the same people who say, I don't trust the leadership to steward the money, don't have any problem putting their family and their children under the teaching of those people. What's more important? If you can't trust them with the money because they aren't good stewards or they don't know, you know, they're, they're not good people is what you really be having to say. Why in the world are you letting them teach you and your kids? It doesn't make any sense. So if they're if they're good enough in character and so on to, to be giving teaching to your family, they're probably good enough in character to handle the money. Also, even if you still struggle with it, you've got to recognize something. God is in control. You be wise, finding the right people. But once you have the right people, you recognize that the right people are in authority, God's in control. He's going to take care of it. There's a reason why there were 12 apostles, because one of them couldn't run off and do something without the other 11, knowing about it. It's the reason why we have what what a lot of people think is a lot of elders for the church of our size, because we keep each other in check. We sharpen each other, and we hold each other accountable, so nobody can run off. Because before you lay money at somebody's feet, you might want to know what their hands are doing, right? And so that's how we are here. That's how any church that you go. Some of you may be visiting us from somewhere else. Wherever you go, you want to make sure that these people have the right character. But at the end of the day, it's clear that the apostles had the authority. I, my wife and I had been giving to a, an organization that works with children in India and um, basically helps them go to school. These has these Christian schools and they feed them and, you know, clothe them and, and whatever. And you support kids. You know how those, those things work. And, and we did it for years. And then I found out, because the, the, it was a great ministry, the guy was a really solid guy who ran the ministry, but I started to find out that he was getting a little strange little weird and then he started doing some things that were questionable financially and we had to stop giving and it was sad because you know we'd supported these kids and whatever for however long but i was i became uncomfortable i had to pull out there's a time when you have to be wise there's a time when you don't give your resources but you got to remember and, and several months ago we talked about something called jurisdiction and jurisdiction is pretty simple it just literally the word means the authority to speak the law That's what the word means literally. But the way that that you need to understand it is, it's that sphere in which you are allowed to act, or you are called to act. It's that place wherein you have authority. For instance, your children, until a certain age, are in your jurisdiction, regardless of what they may tell you, right? Um, You have a certain jurisdiction at your job. You know, there's jurisdiction in different places. When it comes to this, what these people are doing and putting this money at the feet of the apostles, the jurisdiction of the people is simply being obedient to what God had called them to do. The jurisdiction of the apostles was to be good stewards of the money that they gave. And God was in control and watching over it all. And so when you're dealing with these issues, if this is something that you struggle with, just remember where your jurisdiction ends and trust God after that. Trust God after that. Okay, so we need to be one body. That's the clear import of this scripture. One body, one in heart, one in soul, committed to Jesus Christ and to each other. That's who we need to be. We need to be, through that, we are testifying that Jesus is the son of God and that God loves us and loves them. We're testifying to God's grace in our lives so that those who so desperately need His grace, like we did, like we do, will find it. That's why we do it. The question you need to ask yourself this morning is, does your life look like this? Is this what your life looks like? Are you pouring into and pressing into relationship and intimacy with others? Do you know the needs and the stories of the people who are sitting around you? Do you know the names of the people who are sitting around you? If the answer to that is no, then this is something that we need to work on, something that I need to work on, something that we all need to work on. And As we do so, as we work on it, more and more and more will become this church that Christ wants us to be. And as we become the unified church, the church that is one that Christ wants us to be, we will see the power of the Holy Spirit bringing people to know him and to know truth. We do our part. He'll do his part. going can do his part anyway. But I'd like to be on the good side. I'd like to be doing what he's called us to do. We need to care for each other. This is your family. Those who follow Christ are your family wherever you find them in this world. We need to care for each other. That means we have to know each other if we're going to meet each other's needs. We need to love each other, and we need to love our neighbor. That's everybody else besides just each other. Then, people will believe in Jesus. Then, People will know the love of God. If we do these things, His Holy Spirit will minister to the world. That's what we see. We do our part, He does His. So let's do that.
0: If the way we treat each other, our unity affects our ministry for Christ, kind of makes all this a lot more important, doesn't it? You've been listening to Pastor David Robinson from Acts Church here on Contemplate. Now, if you'd like more of this kind of practical, no-nonsense Bible teaching, come see us at Acts Church this Sunday morning. Pastor David loves to meet folks from our Contemplate audience, so I hope you'll come. Get directions and all the info you need at ActsChurchNW.org or call us at 360 885 Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.